Hey, 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 Closet Busters, come on and gather around. It's time once again to kick down those closet doors of life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens, bold move expert and coming out coach, and I'm going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloseted. So come on, grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step in to living your truth as we explore more stories, tips, and tricks for living your life uncloseted. Now let's get to the show. Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloseted. And sometimes you hit this point in your life where you're like, what the fuck is going on? And then suddenly something comes out of nowhere and you're kind of a different person. And you're the kind of person that some people look at and go, oh my God, they are so not the norm. And then you start to realize I've got to get through this and I'm not weird. And I just happen to be autistic. And today my guest is a fellow writer. He's actually my editor um, who looks over my shoulder when I publish stuff for the Good Men Project. His name is J.R. Reed, he is an adult autism advocate guy that I love. We have become quick friends in a very short time here. I love his blogs. I love what he podcasts about. I was just recently on here, his, and he calls himself kind of the nerd owner of an award-winning purple goatee, and I agree. He is very much a proud Aspie, and today we're going to talk about autism, the effects it has when you discover you have it late in life. So, hey, J.R., welcome, man, to the podcast. Well, I got to say, dude, that was a much better intro than I gave you. So thank you very much. <laughs> hey, it's okay, man. I, I kind of, this is, uh, this is one of those things I think I actually did that all on the fly. I just kind of looked at your bio that I looked at before, but um, I love just like, okay, let's see what Rick can do, you know, in, yeah. in, in the improv. So uh, hey, 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 just to be clear about the award-winning purple goatee. Yeah. Uh, have you the, changed the, the color, the, man? No, no. The question I get asked more than more than anything. Yes, there was more than one. Yes, there was more than two people in the competition. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, man. Uh, it, it was cool. not just it was not just me and one other guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I always say I, I win the award for one of the sexiest bald heads in the country, but I'm the only one competing. So there you go. You know. Yeah, there you go. But um, so I kind of gave everybody the insight and, you know, this is one of those things where you and I talked about this, you know, as we've gotten to know each other. And then I said, you know what, I think this is an important thing to share because it is a closet story. It's about coming out of the closet and saying, okay, this is me. I have this wonderful thing called autism. And so many people, I believe, and I love that there's like the shows atypical and things like that that are starting to show up that really showcase what this is all about but so many people are like i'm so scared of this i don't know what it is and i don't know how to be with people around me who have this what would you as a guy who has it like to say to those people i would like to say that first off i was 46 when i got diagnosed um Mm -hmm. quick version is i graduated high school over 10 years before they started talking about autism in school age kids. So I was always the weird kid. Like you said, I was Mm -hmm. weird and not autistic. Then at 46, I became autistic and not weird. And then Mm -hmm. I dyed my purple goatee and then I became weird and autistic. (laughs) But, but yeah, that is, that is a huge closet. In fact, I was in that closet for two years after I got diagnosed. I didn't even tell my family. Mm. So Mm. they just continued to think I was, you know, weird and quirky and, and odd. And I finally just, gathered up the sack 
as you might say, to just come out and say, look, I got diagnosed with autism and I'm autistic and that's what it is. And it, it was tough. It really was. Um, I, I don't know that it was as tough for people that are LGBTQ coming out, but you know, it, it was tough for me. And I think it's tough for a lot of adults because they don't want to be seen as autistic because as right. you said, a lot of people don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. In the last in the last year, I've had two people in their fifties and sixties who thought autism was Down syndrome, and mm-hmm. one person who thought it was being developmentally disabled or what we used to call mentally retarded. Mm. So amazing, yeah. So it's not as much a stigma as much as a lack of knowledge to a lot mm-hmm. of people. Mm-hmm. And, and it comes in, and there's so many spectrums across autism too, right? Oh, oh, absolutely. You can be very much like somebody who has Down syndrome and be a very low-functioning autistic, or you could be high-functioning and have Asperger's syndrome, mm-hmm. which, you know, you're just very socially inept, but you might right. have an IQ in the 130, 140 range. Right, right. And I think this is why people are so confused is, first, they don't, they don't try to understand, or they're afraid to go try to understand. And in so many ways, it's like being, you know, when you work with someone who's transgender, it's like, okay, well, I don't help me understand. But if you don't ask the questions, you make a lot of assumptions. So like in the transgender world, it's, oh, it's just another sexuality thing. Actually, no, transgender starts in a completely different space. And then they identify who they are in their sexuality. And here in autism, at least my understanding, and you've been one that's helped me begin to understand it better and a few other friends, it can be lots of different things. Oh, absolutely. It can be so many different things, but yet people are afraid to go there. And it's like, come on, folks, wake the fuck up. You can ask the questions. And there's ways to ask the questions, too. I do realize that. Sure. But do a little bit of work. That's really all it is. There's a professor, Stephen Mark Shore, who teaches at Adelphi University on Long Island, and he coined the phrase, if you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. Right. And, mm-hmm. and that's true. And I've often said, if you put 100 of us in a room, you'll probably find 95 different combinations mm-hmm. of our traits, mm-hmm. but you might find 60 or 70 that overlap among a lot of us, but you'll find 95 different combinations total. Exactly. So for you, how did this start to manifest? How did you even begin to realize, okay, something's different here and I need to be, you know, I need to go figure this out. And then how did it come out as a diagnosis for you? Well, I, in my thirties, I wanted to get diagnosed, but my uh, insurance would not allow that without paying huge dollars. And finally in my forties, I was able to, but you know, just working with people, I just, I just didn't get along with them and understand them as well as I wanted to. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't understand what I was saying. A lot of times I couldn't understand what they were, were trying to tell me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a lot of it. And, you know, to this day, I've still got people who tell me, Oh, just stop being autistic. Just, <laughs> j- just stop it. Like, Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Hang, hang on one sec while I flip that switch at yeah, the back exactly. of my head. And that's like telling somebody, Oh, just stop being depressed. You know, let's just flip that switch and just stop being gay. No, doesn't work that way exactly. It's like just stop being black or Asian or whatever, yeah. whatever you want to call it. It's ridiculous because yeah. it is something within you. And God love it. If it, if we could figure it out, yes, it would be great if there was a cure 
but I don't know that it's actually like, let's fix the problem. Well, it's like right now, it's just what it is. But that's can... the, that's the problem. It's not a disease. Exactly. It's not a disease. It's a rewiring of your brain. <clears throat> mm -hmm. brain your brain is wired a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. So, and so many people do what I just did and I did it purposefully. So you could bring that up that, well, then just take a pill and it'll be all be better. Mm, well, there's not a lot to fix, but let's kind of think about what can help, help people along. I know I suffer from depression and Hey, I'm okay with popping that little pill every morning because if that's what keeps me at least at bay for the most part, it's a much better life than, Oh my God, every day I dread getting up. Well, depression and anxiety are two things that a lot of people on the spectrum, including mm -hmm. myself, deal with. And you know what? I'm not a big pill popper. If there was another way to do it, I would. But I'm yep. just like you. You know what? If that's what it's going to take, thank and, you very much. You know? Yeah. yeah and I don't, I don't like that I have to take it. But I have now, you know, well, you know, the, the article I just recently wrote yeah. was obliging my depression. And it's a piece of obliging it. It's not making excuses. It's not saying, oh, great, I've got this today. No, it's like, okay, I got I to gotta go kind of play with this right now. And I got to let it run its course. And then it, it goes forward. So, um, so what's been the biggest challenge? Then? I mean, it's, it's, it's not like suddenly, <laughs> I don't even want to paint this picture that suddenly here, here's JR and he's this because it was always there, right? Right, always, right. A right. Part you, of you. You're born with it. Right. So to me, the biggest challenge was a lot of times I would get overloaded. My senses would get overloaded, only I didn't know that's what it was at the time. Mm -hmm. I just thought I was getting burned out and I would sleep for a while or have to just take a break. Mm -hmm. um, to me, that was the biggest thing is finding out that that's what it was, mm -hmm. you know, and then knowing that I could, for example, Monday of this week, just two days ago, I had to drive four hours to St. Louis for a seminar on Tuesday, mm -hmm. go to the seminar and then drive back. Well, I knew that all of that would just be a big drain on me. And yep. so I had to make sure that this morning I built in my schedule so that I could just sleep until I wanted to. Yep. So I scheduled nothing before 11 a.m. this morning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So to me, that was the biggest, the biggest change is mm -hmm. knowing that and being able to build my life around that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's for most of us who have some form of chemical body, DNA, all of that stuff that is wired differently is finding out what we need to do to make it work. And it is yeah. a piece of coming out of a closet and saying, okay, I know I'm this, I'm going to own it. I'm not going to let shame and guilt hold me in that space any longer. And now how do I be my most authentic, productive, truest, all those words we like to throw around self with this piece of me, because it's just another piece of me. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I'm a bald guy. Oh, and I'm gay and I'm a cook. It's all these things. And same thing applies, at least from my perspective, to people who are on the spectrum. It's Absolutely. Just another piece of who they are. Well, and that's why I write my Not Weird, Just Autistic column, but I also write a column on Thursdays called Life with a Side of Disability, mm -hmm. where the whole idea is that you want autism or cerebral palsy or whatever your thing is to be just a side part of your life. Yep. You don't want that to be the focus. You, you want to focus on your life mm -hmm. and then have the disability just be something there like the green beans or the mashed potatoes on your dinner plate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for you, it sounds like you have found a really 
unique and purposeful way to like be an advocate, what's something that you get from that for yourself by being a voice out here in the world? Uh, a lot of satisfaction. Mm -hmm. I, I, I feel good about being able to help other people. It's not a prideful thing. Right. You know, not also, it's not like I'm beating my chest going, oh yeah, I helped somebody yeah, else today. Right. But it's like, because I, I don't care if anybody knows that it was me that did it, you know, but if I can go out there and help somebody or help a cause, you know, and, and teach some people, that's half of what I do. I say that mm -hmm. my mission is one, to help people on the spectrum to live better lives and two, to educate those that are not on the spectrum as to who we really are and what we bring to the table. And what we bring to the table is out-of-the-box thinking and very logical thinking. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I've often used this example. If you're going out and playing paintball, wouldn't you like to have somebody that's an out-of-the-box thinker and a very logical thinker on your team? Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. if you're in the business world. In uh -huh. the business world, you know? It's the same thing. And I think there's so many unique lessons that people can learn when we open our eyes and go, okay, let's understand this autism spectrum and how everybody falls into it. And also let's understand the beauty of what those people bring to the world, which is the same thing that I feel like LGBTQ people are always saying too: see me, see the beauty that I bring into the world by being my own unique self. And then let me contribute that piece to the world in my own way, which is all any of us want as human beings. I think if we all stripped it down to the bare naked essences, let me be who I am. Let me be my unique self and let me contribute to the world in my own way. What fucks everything up is when you think your way is the only way and everybody has to march to that standard. Absolutely. And this is going to sound really strange, but I moved to the Ozarks about a year and a half ago to cut down on the sensory overload. But I spent most of my life growing up in Long Beach, California. And Rick, you know this, being from California, about 20 yeah. years ago, Long Beach became the largest gay population in the state mm -hmm. of California. Yep. So I think that honestly was kind of a benefit for me as I decided to come out of my closet was being around the gay community for so long mm -hmm. and really respecting who they were. And I, I still have so much respect for people that come out you know, of the closet in the LGBTQ community because that is such a bigger thing to me than mm -hmm. it is coming out as being autistic. And I would agree with you to some degree, but I think anybody who's able to come out and show their truest self, it's a journey. It's oh, a I, I, journey. I agree. I agree. You know, you and I talked on your podcast the other day, and, and most of my listeners have heard me kind of go through this, but it doesn't matter what the journey is. It can be coming out autistic. It can be coming out as a sex addict. It can be coming out to say, I've got cancer. Everything starts from a place of confusion. And then you just go through these steps of, you know, asking the right questions, being very curious, getting the answers so that you feel courageous enough to talk about where you are, who you are, what you do, so that you can build the confidence. And then you actually commit to saying, here's who I am. I'm going to be this person no matter what, and then staying consistently it. And when we give each other that beautiful space to go do that, I believe the world's a better place. However... When, again, I'm going to go back to when you do something and you believe you're, you're the right way no matter what, which is where I believe a lot of people who take marginalized communities, whether it's the autistic community, the LGBTQ community, the black community, and they marginalize us, it's because they are just hell-bent that 
okay, yes, I want everything to be good as long as you are this. Correct. And that's when all the problems start. There, right. I, and I would say, and this is something that I've gotten pushback on, but that to me is when we talk a lot about toxic masculinity and stuff in the Good Men Project world. And I believe you can have toxic whatever in any community, in the gay community, in the feminist community, in, in the autistic community, in the black community. We need to realize toxicity comes up and let's all face it and let's all try to quell it so that we can hopefully, which I know this is a biggie, hopefully get rid of some of that stuff so that we can allow each other to be who we are as long as whatever we're doing, and this is the biggie, really does nobody else any physical or mental harm. Oh, for, that is 1,000% for sure. I totally believe every word you just said. Because no, I, I think too often we go the other direction and it's like, and you know, from conversion therapy to, you know, LGBTQ people and autistic people don't have as many rights and women don't, you know, anytime you're causing emotional or physical harm to someone, mm -mm, it isn't going to work even though you think it does. And we see dictators and, you know, we don't, I don't even want to get into the yeah. discussion of what our country's like right now, but um, it, it's just yeah. that same thing. So I know you were going to say something there, man. Yeah. I was, I was going to say that when I moved here to the Ozarks, I was extremely surprised to find in all places, and this is not a crack on the state, but Arkansas, there is a town called Eureka Springs, which is yeah. a pretty small town, but they have a very large thriving LGBTQ population that is very well accepted by the city and is in fact supported by the city. Mm -hmm. And I think that is being here right in what I kind of call the buckle of the Bible belt, because yep. this is kind of where the Bible belt starts and starts yep. heading south. Yep. I, I think that is absolutely amazing. And I've met the mayor and I've talked to the mayor of Eureka Springs a couple of times. And I just told him, I said, I applaud you and your staff and, and your whole community for what you're doing. Well, I think it's a perfect example of when you allow people to be who they are and you realize that me living as a gay man, you living as an autistic man, we're not causing any harm by being who we are in the community. We're just living our lives. You're, you're getting up and doing your thing every day, just like I get up and do my thing, just like everybody who's a heterosexual gets up and do their thing. Just, we do our things. We make breakfast, we go to work, we write our stories, we come home, we have our moments when we're like, okay, give me a glass of wine or whatever it is. But we're just humans having a human experience. And why can't we just let that be? That's the biggest piece I think about when you look at the marginalized community conversations is why can't we just let somebody be, be who they well, are? And the one thing people forget is that there are a-holes in yep. every community. Yep, yep. Very you know, there, so. there are people that bring every community down and there are people that bring every community up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, as you stepped into this diagnosis, and as you said, you headed in the closet for a couple of years, what has been one of the biggest challenges for you now that you're like, okay, this is who I am? Letting people know exactly why I am the way I am. Um, again, like I said, you know, people think it's down syndrome. People think it's being what we used to call mentally retarded. People think all kinds of things and they don't understand it. To me, the lack of understanding is what is the biggest challenge to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's so similar, man, as you're talking, it's, it's the same exact thing in the LGBTQ community. It's like, okay, I'm finally going, I accept myself. 
But man, it's really scary to say this is who I am because yep. of what society has put on it. And when you step into those spaces, there's resources to help you figure it out and you can have all the resources in the world, but it comes down to that moment where you say, Hey, I'm JR and yes, I am autistic and here's why I do what I do because it's scary to be that vulnerable yet. It's also, I would assume, and I'm making a big assumption here, but only because I've been through it from a LGBTQ perspective, it's also empowering when you can oh, finally say, this is who I am for sure. And, you know, the one thing people don't realize is that, Rick, the only difference between the two of us mm -hmm. is our sexuality, mm -hmm. and I'm autistic. Yeah. Other well, than that. Well, and you have a purple beard. I haven't gotten Well, there. yeah. But, I mean, I, I mean, in general, other than that, we're, we're both people. Yep. Exactly. First exactly. and foremost, we're all people. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. you being a member of the LGBTQ community, unless you're out there, you know, flaunting it, 24 seven, which most people in that community are not right. The only difference between you and everybody else that you see every day is your sexuality. Mm -hmm. and, and how does my sexuality affect you? And how does your autism affect me? It doesn't. That was my point. There's nothing that affects me. I don't care what some, and you know, it's so interesting because I just, so I just recorded another podcast and I don't want to give too much away because you guys' podcasts are going to uh, like follow each other, but it was all about race play and it's about fetishes where people get into slave master, all that sort of stuff. And even as I listened to it, I'm like, mm, not my thing, but that's all I thought. Mm, not my thing. What any, whatever anybody wants to do, hey, you go do the thing that makes you happy. But no, people think, oh my God, you can't do that. That's so abnormal. That's so, you know, blah, 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 blah. Really? I don't see myself with a camera in your bedroom asking you what you and your husband are doing. Then that's vanilla sex. So why do you have to be in mine? And I think this is the thing that happens over and over and over again is we get too busy being busybodies in everybody else's stuff instead of just going, hey, that works for them. Great. Not me, but that's their thing. Let it go. Yeah, my whole thing is, you know what, when I hear stuff like that, yeah, yeah, to me that sounds a little weird, but then probably what I'm into sounds a little weird to them. <clears throat> yeah, well, there's always going to be something weird to someone else. And I spoke a couple of years ago at a, at a high school. And at that time, I was using kind of a little phrase called make your quirk work. And that was my whole point of people are going to think you're weird. People are going to think you're a stud. People are going to think you're kind of obnoxious. But when it comes down to it, Everybody is just freaking unique. But some people are going to think, oh, you're so weird. Well, I want you to make your quirk work. Whatever that quirky thing is, that's you. The best way to get through life is to realize that quirk is the thing that you can make work for you the most if you take it and run with it with pride. So I got a question for you. If I tell you right now that I'm going to use that phrase, is it technically stealing it from you? No, you can use, okay. you can use okay. it. Okay. It is I, my I trademark, but you can use it. You can use it, man. Because I, I love it and we'll credit you for it. Yeah, yeah. No, I love it. And um, I don't know if I have any of the t-shirts left anymore, man, but I'll send you a copy of what the t-shirt looked like. Cause oh, I would love it. it. It's just, it's such a cool concept to think, okay, man, that's a quirky thing I do, but you know what? I own it. I own it that I have this like big black diva inside me. I own that she gonna come out and she's, she's like right here, just waiting to burst out even right now as we're talking, but she's my little quirk. 
And every time I let her come full out, oh my God, I can make her work so well when I'm on stage. And when I'm doing my podcast from time to time, you can even hear my, my draw starting to show up because she wants to come out real bad right now. And I it's tell. so beautiful when we can take something that other people think is weird and we can truly own it and really make it work for us. Absolutely. I am, I am most of my listeners know, and you know too, JR, because we've seen each other face to face. I'm bald, pretty much bald. I mean, I have a little bit left. And I remember when that started happening. And here's the thing what I remember about it I don't remember a thing because it wasn't my thing. But then one day I looked in the mirror when I was like, okay, this shave in the head thing, and I'm not completely shaved down, but I keep it cut really close. I'm actually pretty damn lucky because I have a pretty good looking bald head. Well, that's my quirk and I love to make it work. I make sure it stays a certain way, all this sort of stuff. And that was one of the very first quirky things, even though there's lots of bald guys, it was one of my things that I thought, you know what, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna rock this bald head. I'm gonna go for it. I I will tell the listeners that you got a good looking dome. (laughs) I shine it every morning with passion, trust me. But uh, so as you have, gone through this journey over the past few years what is something that causes you to want to keep sharing and really really letting other people on the spectrum and not just on the spectrum but those outside but specifically on the spectrum what is one thing that you want to keep sharing to those people so that they can go and thrive that we are wired a little bit different Mm-hmm. but that we're the same as everybody else mm-hmm. deep, deep down and that we bring so much to the table that people don't understand. Mm-hmm. And if we can just help them understand what we bring to the table, then they'll be amazed. And, you know, people have, have made comments about things that I bring to the table that I didn't even realize I brought to the table mm-hmm. until they pointed it out. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I, I think th- those kind of things that, you know what, we can, you know, you can always say we can do whatever we want to do. Right. But, you know, I mean, that really is true. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so you're artistic and you don't like to be social sometimes. Uh, I'm a writer. I work from home. That, that works for me. Some people right. are painters, you know, you find something that works for you mm-hmm. and do it. Yep. And make your cork work. Honestly, there you go. Make your quirk work. Exactly. You know, and the thing that I think is so beautiful is I actually, I don't know if I just posted this on Instagram, but it's one of my quotes that I, you know, as writers, we're always like, oh, oh, this sounds really good. And I turn it into a quote or whatever. But one of the ones I think I just posted up was if you don't know your own brilliance, have somebody show it to you. Now that's going down on the same page too. (laughs) because we're often too close to our own brilliance or we feel like it's ego driven, which it can become very easily. (laughs) But sometimes we do need to let somebody show us our own brilliance and it doesn't have to be anything big. It can be as simple as you really rock that purple beard, man. Oh, okay. I just did it because I wanted to, because I love what I do or I love the way it makes me look. But To really see it sometimes, you got to let somebody show that thing to you. And I can't tell you how many people, at least in my work with, you know, people coming out of the closet and people going to that space of, I want to do this thing, whatever that thing is, and they keep holding themselves back. 
the thing I most try to get them to see is the brilliance of what they're attempting to do and how it will first impact their own life. And secondly, how it's probably bringing something to the world that the world needs that only they can do, which a lot of people say that, but I come from the space of that bold move. If you never make it, that thing dies with you. Absolutely. Well, I've got a quote here from Wilhelm Cortez, who's uh, one of the executive editors at Goodman Project, mm-hmm. that in it, from an email that he sent to me that says, we have yet to see your maximum potential, and I have a feeling it far outweighs the glimpses we have seen. Mm-hmm. And I keep that taped onto the bottom of my computer screen so that every time I'm writing, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, just to motivate me. Yep. So it's interesting that you said that because one of the things I've said to many, 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 many of my clients, and I don't know that I've actually said this on the air, is nobody can see you through the crack in the closet door unless you open the door. Straight up, my friend, straight up. And I think more people need to step out of the crack of the closet door and let other people see them. See them fully, because the moment you don't let people see you, you are doing yourself and the world an injustice. And um, I'm so glad through a fate of twists and turns and people getting promoted and everything that you and I ended up getting connected and having these talks and working together on the Good Man Project. Um, So really quickly before we wrap it up, bro, um, I'm going to have everything on the website and everything for you guys to connect with JR, see some of his writing. But um, what would you leave listeners in general with who are just like, okay, I might have my quirk that I don't know how to make work, but what is something you have definitely learned about yourself that you can say, this would be what I'd give you. This would be my advice. If you're struggling like to let people see your truest self, what would you tell a listener right now? Find somebody who is close to you, who you can talk to and who can help you make that quirk work. Mm-hmm. If you can't figure out how to do it, and if you can't, follow the information that you're going to leave on the site. You yep. can contact me, yep. and I'm, I'm happy to talk to you, email you, mm-hmm. whatever, and figure out a way to make that quirk work for you, mm-hmm. because there is a way to make a quirk work for everybody. Absolutely. That's great, man. Thank you. Thank you, man. Great oh. conversation. Hey, Rick, always appreciate it, man. All right, there you have it. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end, but that's okay. We're going to be back in just a couple of days sharing more stories, tips, tricks, and wisdom for helping you live your life uncloseted. And you know what? You can share it too. Just take a few moments if you like and if you believe in this podcast and share it with someone you know today. Share it from your phone, go share it on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you are. Maybe even give us a rating review because you know what? It's all about the planet living their life uncloseted. I'm Rick Clemens, host of the show and the guy who helps you make those big, bold moves. And I hope you never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted. Catch you real soon. Take care, everyone.